While everybody talks about how to start and grow a business, there's a whole different industry out there. The business of buying businesses and completely skipping the grind part. Building a business is the best way to get rich, but to get really, really rich buying businesses is a much more predictable game. But don't you need a lot of money for that? Well, not necessarily. Today's guest is my buddy, Adam Tucker, who is an Australian investor, advisor, and strategist for the companies he buys and supports, as well as a passionate surfer, traveler, and overall good dude. And he only buys and invests in companies he believes in, with people he wants to be surrounded with, and he builds an ecosystem around that. So he would discuss why buying companies is one of the sexiest things to create wealth and an amazing lifestyle, how to make the best deals by caring about the people you're making the deal with, and giving them what they really want and how to double your business overnight by buying your competitor and also balancing work with things you truly enjoy. So this is also another episode that we recorded in Croatia. We met in Croatia as well at that business event and um, so glad I'm meeting people like that because uh, we instantly clicked and we were like, okay, you're like me. You're, you're also a high performer, someone that, that yeah, someone that gives a fuck about what he does and someone that also uh, knows the balance between, okay, working really hard and then also doing the things you really enjoy so you're not just chasing after success. So yeah, really cool guy and uh, we have a really good chat about this stuff here and I learned a ton in this conversation. So I'm really, really excited about this one. And without further ado, let's dive right into it. You know, we talked the other day about how um, I probably exited my last company way earlier it could have been much more lucrative for me but I was I felt like a, a, a wild animal in a cage because I'd gone from this entrepreneur creator to then being the CEO of something where I was managing and that is the, that's the end of the world for me right like that's like that's like death so um yeah for me the sexiness is in the ability to create creating great deals creating enterprise that serves community and, and people um I just I just love it you know like and and I think it came from when I exited DTA, it was a, it was a very painful exit. And um, you know, I think for everyone, the, the listeners, if they're thinking that the exits are as sexy as everyone makes them out to be, that's a load of shit. I, don't, I think everyone believes that their baby's the, the cutest baby, but it's not true, right? Like, and maybe there's a lot of glorification about the exit side of, of enterprise. And I don't know if that's come from the Silicon Valley startup like stuff or, or whatever, but uh, if you're exiting and you're having a hard time, it's okay. It's part of the bloody course. Yeah, let's talk right. about that because I went through the same experience. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so my exit, uh, first of all, the whole process of transferring the business was really, uh, it really stretched me because first of all, I was worried that the business is going to fail before, or not fail, but like it's going to start declining or am, like my business was purely based on Amazon. So I was worried that Amazon is going to change the algorithm or something's going to happen. Uh, yeah. that before I actually transfer the business, something's going to change and, and they're going to be like, oh, we don't want to buy it anymore, even though they've yeah. signed the agreement or whatever. And it took over 300 days to actually transfer the business. Whoa. Whoa. And that was not expected. I was like, oh, maybe another two months, hopefully. And then it just stretched it out. But um, also after that, uh, we chatted about that before as well. The abyss. You have that. Yes. You <laughs> have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First of all, that. Yeah. What's next? And what I did is I wanted to jump into immediately starting something new. I wanted cash flow again. I wanted right. I gotta do something instead of stepping back and be like, okay, who am I? What do I really value? What are the yeah. next steps? And really forcing myself, okay, don't work because that's something that I need to force myself to. And then um, yeah. also what we chatted about as well was the 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 money situation. You have that big 
amount of cash in the bank. And you thought, once I have that, I'm set because then I have, I have X number of <laughs> yeah. years where I don't have to worry about money yeah. if I have that many expenses. And I'll be happy. <laughs> yes, and I'll be happy. And uh, what you realize is, I want cash flow. Yeah. I want cash flow. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I think, I think maybe the first thing to address is the. Uh, I think I felt sadder the day that a million dollars entered my bank account than the, the day than I had like 2,000 as a uni student. And uh, that's been a big learning for me. Uh, and a lot of entrepreneurs suffer this. This is why entrepreneurs can end up with depression or, and, you know, like there's been some suicides in, 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 and that, that's fucking horrible. That. And it's because I think as, and you know, even you, right, you were saying you finished and then you were like, I've got to go again. We, because a lot of entrepreneurs create from a place um, maybe not having enough self-love or not feeling like they're enough. And that, that's it's kind of that ironic, painful beauty that like an artist, ha- like a, a, you know, like, you know, a, cr- a creative artist has. So that is really important to understand, the, the driver of desire. And uh, I really hope that all entrepreneurs just come into a... Uh, we talked about spirituality earlier on. That's been a big thing for me to bring my spirituality into my day-to-day business practices so for me i've got to get it i've got to connect with the ocean daily i've got to meditate for at least 10 minutes i've got to have a bit of yoga practice i've got to hang out with great people you know i can work a lot shorter day and have those things and be 10 times more productive because i stay good uh yeah but then if we come to the cash flow thing man oh i i struggle with this daily like um you know when we're buying and selling companies we we might get paid every four years. <laughs> and and I think we because we built companies and we it used to be money comes in every month or every day depending on what the transactional situation of your company is. And then you're like, fuck, it's not there anymore, right? And you've got a big lump there, but all you see now is it going out. I struggle a lot with it, so I'm not a great advisor. What it's done is it's actually reshaped my investment criteria a bit. I'm looking for companies that are yielding 30% cash on cash as cash flow monthly cash flow so deal structuring is a bit different now if there's capital going in the capital's put in as debt and there'll be interest on that there'll be also uh, management fees as well if i'm involved in, from a strategic or an advisory board position or a mentor and that that'll usually get it up to about that 30 percent um so what is that 30 percent for the for the listeners what does that mean 30 percent cash on cash yeah so so cash on cash means if i put 100 say using round figures if I fund a company or give a company $100,000, uh, of course, that'll be to buy a certain number of shares, whatever the deal structure looks like. Cash on cash means the 30% return on that cash. So 30% per annum, I will get $30,000 back. And, yeah. and so you, you invest 100K yeah. and then every year you get 30K back. Yeah, and that's cash flow. Now, the other part of that equation is, of course, I want that company to grow. So I'm going to be on the advisory board and work with their leadership and, and strategize with them to grow that thing. So that's capital growth. I don't know what, that, what that's going to be. You know, I mean, we all, we all want the 1,000% the growth. But the beauty is, is if it's cash flow, then we're not, it's, it's, it's nice. You feel a lot safer as you're moving along because there's a real caveman instinct that kicks in. Like I, I know guys that, I know of a guy, he, he was an ex-top guy at JP Morgan, really high achieving young guy and I think he would have he burned out but he, he would have finished with maybe like 10 million in cash in his bank account and he was freaking out about running out of money <laughs> I, 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 I sometimes have this and I'm like what are, you, what are you doing man like first of all 
you're a creator. You created this from nothing. Even if you go back to nothing, you'll create again because that's who you are. I have to have these conversations with myself, right? I'm sure you do the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I've tried to do now is reshape investment criteria. Also, I, I uh, now consult a bit too, uh, doing strategic consulting, consulting to companies that I'm not a shareholder in. And their results have been profound uh, and it's very enjoyable. But I'm very, very selective about whom I might take on as a client because some people can't be helped. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, like some yeah. people, their own worst enemy. So, uh, of course, I want results. So, I'll, I'll just pick and choose there. But, yeah. Yeah. And the, the big epiphany that I had, like, uh, years ago uh, was that if you, if you buy a, a business, let's say you invest 100K into a business and you get... 30% cash on cash. Yeah. That doesn't just mean that you get 30k in that. Yeah, because most people will think, "Oh, so after around 3 years I have my investment back." Yes, you have your investment back plus you have still have that asset. asset. Yeah. So let's say you make yeah, you you invest at 100k and after 3 years you have that 100k back roughly. Yeah. Yeah. You also have still a company that is hopefully worth still 100k if not more, right. maybe a yeah. bit less. Yeah. But it's like you you're buying an income you are, yeah. yeah. And the so isn't that something that, like, because I have that feeling now, it's like, okay, I've sold my company, I know a few other guys who are selling their, their business, um, and they want to get a new cash flow going, they do some consulting and stuff like that, or, and it's not picking up as quickly as they thought, yeah. um, or they're starting something new. Um, do you think, like, buying a business, isn't that a good way to generate cash flow, to, like, to buy a, a, an income stream? I think this asset class, if we're to call buying small to medium companies, I think it's the best returning asset class that there is. I, I like, I just, there's nothing, like hedge funds are returning at 12 to 14%. That's where the biggest money in the world goes into, right? Or private equity. Even the PE, the private equity guys have not been getting half of those returns. I think the private, the fund owners get those sorts of returns, but the, the money going in. So I think this is an incredible investment class. There is a, there is a hitch though. You buy the wrong company and you bought yourself a job. Yeah. And that, then you're fucked because you are stuck in the company again, right? Yeah. So one of the things I thought initially when I started on this journey was that I wanted to um, just be completely passive and have the returns. But what I've realized now is I actually kind of like getting my hands a little bit dirty, but I have no interest whatsoever in being a CEO of any of these companies. I'm a crappy um, manager. I'm an... I think I'm a, a good leader and an exceptional strategist and a great mentor. But you ask me to manage a company, oh my God, I, I, I alienate everybody <laughs> because I just don't enjoy myself. But I, I've been learning there's a happy medium. So that's, my big, that's a big tip there. Be very careful about what you buy. Um, but listen, there's also tons of ways. This, I think one of the other things is really important, and I believe this, I thought that every company was just a cash transaction so someone rolled in with a big bag of cash big bag of loot and someone walked out the other side with that that's horseshit it just doesn't happen that way so the the, the real intelligence is in the deal structuring so you know we might buy a company and go yeah well look uh, hundred maybe it's 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 worth a million dollars so and there's say um a million shares so we give them a hundred thousand dollars we get a hundred shares <coughs> when we're making the deal we want to do other things and go, look at the, this might be getting a little bit technical, uh, but look at the, the debtors and we can say, well, yeah, we're going to buy the company, so now we're going to leverage against this company. So we've, yeah, we put in 100 grand, we want more. 
we're going to give you over the next two years another $300,000 in two separate tranches, but we're going to use the company's money to pay that, pay the owner for that. And leveraged buyout. Yeah. 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 So this is the next step. This, yeah, it's kind of an LBO, but then there's a whole deal pie. So... LBOs leverage buyout. Buy yeah. yeah. So we let's let's try to do, okay. use the language is like <laughs> let's imagine we're talking to uh, fifth graders. Okay. And then really like maybe using some metaphors and like hey if you do this and like some examples. Right. I, and yeah. this is why I'm a bad manager because I'm a terrible teacher. <laughs> and I, and I, I often forget. So thank you so much for the reminder. LBO is leveraged buyout, and re- all that really means is using debt to buy a company. So. There's, there's ways to access that. You can get you can buy the company and then pay for the company with its own debtor book. The debtor book being its its accounts receivable. Accounts receivable is the that, money that's coming in from yes, the customers. Yes, maybe coming in. And you can, if you're an invoice type business, you can go to um, agencies who will give you money with a high interest rate on the money that they know you're going to get at a certain ratio. You can also go to a, a, a lending organization and say, well, we believe the business to be worth three times EBITDA, which is earnings before um, tax, uh, EBIT, sorry, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization, basically pre-tax profit. Yeah. 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 Um, And the valuation model is usually a multiple of EBITDA. Yeah. So if you make 100k of profit, then that's the EBITDA and then depending on what the company's like, you get a 2x multiple, three, four, yeah. could be 20 if yeah. it's like a really old business, it's, there's hardly any risk that it's gonna yeah, go down. Totally, yeah, and yeah. like, so to, to what really attracts high multiples at the moment is recurring revenue, SaaS systems, uh, services, what is it, what's SaaS stand for? Software <laughs> as a service. Right, so like companies like Xero and all those, They're, they are, have huge multiples and private equity want them because it's just so scalable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but so where was I? Coming back to the EBITDA model, um, coming back to the leverage. So you might go to a lender and say, "Look, we believe it's worth three times EBITDA. Will you give us two times EBITDA in debt? We're going to come up with the rest in our own capital." Or you can, and, and there's even other aspects to the deal pie. The deal pie is not my terminology; it's another person's, but I, I will, I use it. So you might go to the owner and say, "Well." We'll give you this much cash, but we, we're going to pay you over 10 years this much of the profit. Or so that's a very safe investment because if you don't make a profit... Totally. Yeah, so they're, they're assuming the risk that it's still going to run. Well, also, they're, they're, assuming the risk of the, of, they're assuming the responsibility of what they're selling you. I see it this way, right? Because if they're bullshitting you, then, you know, the, the, the responsibility is on them to, to, to be honest with you that it is a good asset. Yeah. Hey, we don't want to buy um, we don't want to buy a Range Rover with a with a with a fucked out engine because it costs so much more to service the thing than it does to buy the thing in the first place, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, there there is so many clever ways to structure. You know what? A lot of people exiting, they just want to go and they just want to know their legacy will live on. Yes. So let's let's talk about that because I I'm someone that doesn't want to. I'm I'm. You know, I'm I'm worried about a risk such as, hey, I'm gonna invest a lot of money into a company, and then all of a sudden I'm tied to that. Like, how little how little can you start with? Like, let's say I get I have 30k cash, and I don't want to take on a lot of debt and don't want to make it super complicated. Yeah. Do you think I could start with like even like 20k, like yeah. starting a, a small 
uh, maybe a Chrome extension that's that's with, that's making money with like uh, Google AdSense or something like that. Without yeah. a doubt, and because you, you can do the leverage buyout work without any capital, you can buy companies without putting a single cent down. Yeah. Now this is certainly not uh, my teaching. This is another man who we've talked about. I won't mention him. Unless, yeah, I mean, yeah I, I let's mention he, him. I think he's brilliant. Yeah. I, I, his name is Jeremy Harbour and he has the Harbour Club. So he's the guru of doing deals without putting any money up front. Yes. But what's beautiful about that is, and this is how I play, I want to know what the person selling the company wants. They're, because it's not always just about money in the bank. They may just want to go and enjoy life. They've probably made enough money if they've owned this thing for 20 years. But they want their staff to remain employed. They want the brand to live on. They want it to ser- continue to serve community. So for them, it's really easy. You go, well, well yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take it on. We've got to, we know how to run companies. Um, and yeah, we'll give you some money in like three or four years or whatever. It, the, the thing about the exit deal, the entry or the exit, the deal is only limited by your creativity and the creativity of the other person sitting on the other side. And the best thing we can do is move our chair around and sit beside them in the deal. Yeah, I think that's actually a metaphor that you, he uses as well. Yeah, it's like yeah. sitting beside each it's other. So true, right? So, so it's, it's, even though I sold my business because uh, I wanted to have the money, uh, there's tons of sellers that have yeah, different motivations. And th- these are the ones that you want to look for, right? Yeah, yeah. sure. You don't want to buy a business from someone that is trying to get the, the, the biggest price for it, but actually look for other situations. Well, it could be that, yeah, you may, maybe you do want to buy the one with the biggest price, but then, then, be, and yeah. then you go, well, I don't even have 1% of that amount of money, but maybe the, then, so then it comes to the deal structure. So you talk with them and go, look, I've only got 1% of the money, I'll give you 1%, but over the next 10 years, you can take 90% of the profit, I'll take 10%, whatever. The deal, the, the options are endless. There is just no yeah. rules. And there are some beautiful stories that I've heard as well uh, from another guy. His name is Carl Allen. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you've met him as well. I have not met Carl Allen at all. Yeah. So he um, he told the story of how uh, he was a broker, and yeah. um, there was this company that uh, yeah, these these two guys that were exiting their company. They've been doing it for years. They love their stuff. And they they were selling the company, and then one day before the deal was closed, the guy called him, uh, Carl Allen, the broker, and like he was crying, he was really emotional, he was like, uh, "We're not, we're pulling, we're pulling out," because because the people that was buying the business said uh, they're gonna they're gonna let go of all the stuff. Right. And that's how Carl Allen got into actually buying a business himself, because he said, "Oh no, I don't want that to happen. Like, yeah. you know what? I'm gonna buy the company." Uh, I have this much money, we can make it work, and I'm going to keep all the stuff. Yeah. So that's an example of other motivations other than ju- than just money. Absolutely. So he yeah. he he made, he actually put the the employees, uh, the staff, he put them into ownership positions. Yeah. And that yeah. way, yeah. So it's yeah. like such there's there's tons of smart ways to actually oh. buy a company. That's why I'm interested in that now because I don't want to assume a lot of risk now. I don't want to get tied into a company. I don't want to spend all the money that I made on my exit. Yeah. But I want to. Get cash flow. Yeah, I want to own a company that I'm excited about, and uh, there's tons of opportunities. Yeah. Totally, and likewise, there's tons of ways to exit. Yeah. So, so one in five SMEs, small to medium enterprise, that are listed sell. Most just disappear into the ether. Most of them would have, at some stage, been made an offer to sell, but maybe they put their ego ahead and went, "I just want a bag of cash now. It's worth this." Know this. Your company probably isn't worth what you think it's worth. <laughs> yes, I had the same experience. <laughs> by, by a long way. And, uh, and I tell you what, because it probably isn't without you, especially if you're the, the founder and the person who created it, it probably isn't without you because you're an exceptional visionary. 
you know the thing back to front. But it is worth something. But I really suggest to people, don't miss out and end up with nothing because a little bit of something is better than all of nothing. And ego is often what causes the problem here for exiting um, for people in an exit transaction. Also, let go of the idea that you don't need a bag of cash on the day you walk out the door. What's, why, why not just 10 smaller bags of cash over the, the 10 years? But here's what I say a lot when I'm trying to acquire. I have a, I have a, a nice metaphor, a deal that I'm sort of midway through. Um, try and articulate to the buyer, be honest, have the courage to really be honest. I think in Australia as well, this, this I can't tell them all of my secrets, it doesn't help. Be honest, tell them exactly what you want. If they try and fuck you over, you can always walk away. You'll know when someone's being authentic or not. But your authenticity and vulnerability will often put the other person in that space and it can be a beautiful deal. You may make a friend, you know, or, but if you go into it, it's like a dog, you know, I, I remember our neighbor's dog used to bite me all the time when I was a kid. So sometimes around some dogs, I'm quite shy and I'm a bit scared of them at first, but I love animals, right? They can feel it. I can see it in their eyes. They're going, well, oh, he's a bit scared of me, so I'm a bit scared of him. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, good right. analogy. It's true. Yeah, so if we go in and, we, and maybe even for us guys <laughs> particularly, let's get some more vulnerability into our life in general and see, see how just beautiful and abundant things can be for us. But in, in your deal, if you're exiting, I really recommend. But here's the thing. Most people exiting don't know what they want. Because they haven't thought about it. They just go, I just want out, I hate it, or, or I, I just want a bag of cash. It's worth all this money. They probably won't end up with anything. So if you sit down and think about what you want, I remember when I exited DTA. I, I told you earlier on, right, like that, the day a million bucks hit my account, I was like fucking depressed. I was like so unhappy, dude, because I had nothing. My whole identity I'd, tie, I'd tied to this company. I didn't have anything to do. I mean, I, I could surf and play golf, cool. There's only so much surfing and golf you can do. And I, I, I just was lost. It, it's taken me a lot, a lot of time to work out who I really am, you know, because I just tied myself to that. So beware that when you're exiting, sort of have a, have a life exit plan as well as an exit exit plan. You know, I think that's really important to, especially guys who are in their 20s and 30s and 40s, They've got a lot of brilliance ahead of them. I mean, everyone's got brilliance, even if they're 80. I don't want to be discriminating. <laughs> but, but, like, be, be aware because, you know, um, just selling it and getting all the money might not make you happy, um, especially if you've spent so much time in that baby. Exit because you want to, but work out who you really are and what you really, really want. And it can be really good. Otherwise, it can be awful, you know. Yeah, and that's exactly what I went through so I was like I actually remember one morning getting up it's like why do I feel like this why I should be I should be happy why do I feel like this and I actually ended up googling okay something along the lines of exited company depressed or something like that and I actually, actually a lot of uh, I found a lot of articles of, of people who were going through the same thing yeah and there were evil stories stories of people who ended up buying their company again that they exited because <laughs> yeah. they're like oh no, I want it back yeah. and <laughs> so it's like really know. important to always know why do you want to sell and then really ask why yeah why why yeah. why 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 and then what um, does it look like for me after this and but what does it look I, like I, I do, when I do strategic work as well the consulting stuff or advisory board work Often I see people who have got great companies, fantastic little companies, not, not little, some are, you know, 50, 100 million turnover, but they've been in it and they're, they're raking it in. It's a great company. It looks great to everyone else and they're really unhappy. They're really over it. 
So often the reason is is that they're they're like me. They're entrepreneurs and um, they're just they don't want to manage. They want to keep creating. So we put into the, we do strategic work with them and get into the personal side of it and make the business work around their personal wants and needs, the what and why of life, which are probably the two most important things that we can ever investigate because how will always work out. We'll always work out how to do it because we are entrepreneurs. Um, but once you do the strategy with them and you like you, you the company then is an enabler to them to have all the things they want to do. It could be getting home early to pick up the kids or go and climb Mount Kilimanjaro or, I don't know, learn the violin. They immediately come back to life. Their companies will often pile... Like, everyone that I've worked with has ended up increasing revenue by a minimum of 50% that year after we do strategy. And it's because the leaders are happy again. It's because happy leaders of companies mean... Or great, great happy leaders and healthy leaders mean great, happy, healthy companies. It It, really matters. Yeah, it's like a principle uh, that I've learned as well. It's like uh, oftentimes the business problems that you have are just a reflection of your personal problems. Totally. Life problems, yeah. Yeah. And I was there. You know, I was running this big company, um, about half a million bucks a month, running at 30% in profit. So I was creaming it, right? Like I had a lot of money coming into my bank account. um, But... I was fucking over it because I just couldn't be creative anymore. I had shareholders and, and partners who just didn't want to go on that journey. And um, I wish that I had have had me as a strategist come and work with me at that time because, well, no, I, I don't wish to be in it any longer. Um, and I'm super in love with life and where I'm at now. I mean, gee, this is great stuff. But maybe I would have been even better in my way, my exit deal because it was a, it was a hard exit. It took six six months of agony and pain. And um, had I have been able to work the personal life and the good stuff into the strategy of this company, maybe things would be different. I don't know. Life's good now, but maybe that pain wasn't necessary. You know. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's. I don't know where, how we got to this point. We we're, we're rolling, but <laughs> we're just rolling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One one other thing I will to the people listening anyway. Hopefully. Yeah, I think it will be. I think one thing that's also interesting is actually. Um, buying companies strategically or just buying small like again going back to something as simple as a chrome extension yeah um like if you have a SaaS business and you buy a chrome extension that complements your SaaS business that can grow your business as well so this is not just for people who uh yeah for people who want to buy a business now this is also for people who just want to yeah get another income stream or that want to grow their business so it's also a way to think about this so that's actually to be honest that's actually something that i'm looking at i want to I want cash flow right now. Yes. Um, so I, I, I'm a bit greedy now because I, wa- I don't just want to make money because making money is easy. Yeah, I want to make about money. Some. It's I want to fun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I want to make money and have fun. Yeah. And something that I want to stand behind, that I can stand behind. The way I'm like, this is awesome. Totally. Um, so I'm looking at, like, the ideal thing for me would be okay. I want to build this group of guys. I want to get in touch with entrepreneurs. I want to build communities. Um, what businesses can I buy that do that? That also generate cash flow and then. Yeah. That it maybe even complement that business. So that's also a thing that you can do, right? You can um, you can buy a business that complements your business. So you talked about how yeah. you're desperately, <laughs> by the way, you can apply. Yeah, any digital Despre- marketing uh, yeah. companies that are actually good at what they do and want a, an investor to drive them, yeah, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> so he's desperately looking for a digital marketer or yeah. maybe a digital marketing agency. So we talked about oh, that yeah. just yeah. before. Um, you want to get someone that is good at digital marketing. So one yeah. of the things that you actually 
might be interested in is buying a digital marketing agency. Absolutely. Because they have a yeah. system, I mean a good one, yeah. they have the systems and processes and the people that you need. So then you own that company and you have the service that you need. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I like I like the, uh, the maybe call it cross-collateralization. But also, here's another thing. Here's the opposite to that. Often, companies have companies inside companies, <laughs> if that makes sense. So you might actually have a company where you've built this proprietary Chrome extension. It may be an asset in itself that can be sold or licensed. Many, many, many miss this. Like, you might have a, like, for example, if we're building a community, right, you might have this database. It's worth a fortune. It can be sold if you, if you want to. It can be used to build other communities. You may even cross pollinate with other community builders and community owners and, and work together and leverage. There's, there's so much opportunity. And this is the real fun, right? This is the juicy part of, of entrepreneurialism, doing this. And, yeah, and likewise, adding on, on so you can chop off or add on. And that, that you create, you create uh, wealth events or um, just exciting events in general, right? Like, and as an entrepreneur who's built a great company, maybe instead of selling it, this is the alternative for you, rolling it up. I, I had a marketing agency approach me for some advice about six months ago and they were like, we want to grow. We want to be a global um, global group. And I was like, well, great. You know, I, I really think that you can. And their CEO was uh, he's a young, ambitious, really smart dude. He had it in him. So I, I could see that. And they're like, yeah, but we don't have the capital, so we need, we need money. And I was like, what do you mean you need money? What's your, what's your turnover and your profit? And I'm like, you're killing it, right? So I, I just said to them, you don't need to spend a dollar here. You can have a mergers and acquisitions strategy. M&A strategy. M&A strategy, yeah. So like, they, they want to roll up a group. So these guys, they, they might be worth a $10 million valuation. They're based, they're based in uh, Brisbane, Australia, actually. And I don't know what the valuation figures are. But just using round numbers to make the mathematics easier for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, they might go, all right, we, we want an office in Manila. We'll go over to Manila, find out all the agencies there, and approach them and say, listen, you're probably worth $1 million. We're worth 10. If you merge with us, you're part of a bigger group. So the multiple on EBITDA in terms of valua valuation is much higher for the small guys. They're all of a sudden valued at four-time multiple that the big guys are valued at rather than the two as they are smaller. So their value doubles overnight. Why? Really, really hard for me to explain this one verbally. <laughs> uh, scale, scale matters. Scale matters in terms of, uh, especially in professional services companies, scale matters and impacts the multiplier because as a buyer, if I'm buying a professional services company, I want to know that it can make sales and, uh, and run itself. And usually sales are made through the directors and the founders relationships and friendships and without them it might not work they, they usually go a bit backward actually without them so that matters so they can merge and concede 10% of their equity to this company and now they're now they're they're much bigger company already without spending a single dollar and really they didn't really they didn't concede any value they actually just increased the value of their company as a saleable asset to someone else dramatically because now they're an international business um, and they've also got like lower cost labor, but that, that's, that's a strategy thing. This M&A, this roll-up stuff is really where it's at and it doesn't cost you anything. So roll-up means? Roll-up just means you have a good platform company. So maybe the, the listeners, they have a, a great company they've built up over 
five years, ten years, whatever, however many, doesn't matter. And it, and it kills it, right? It's a great company. Roll-up is just going and finding others and often your competitors are the best to buy. Yeah. When I say buy, you're not buying them with cash, you're buying them with shares. So it's just a matter, of, you might go, okay, we, now we've gone and got that company, let's go and find two more. You keep adding these in and this behemoth can be built. And it all starts with a conversation, right? It's not oh, like yeah. you make you have to know exactly what to offer them, otherwise they decline. No, it's just like, hey, would you be interested? And then you have a chat, sit next to each other <laughs> on the on the end. Then how can you make the make this a win win? Your deals, your deals in business, are like, go to your Facebook contacts list and go to your phone, your your iPhone or whatever phone you you use, and just look at the contacts. I guarantee there's deals in there right now waiting for you. What, where a lot of people go wrong is they go, oh, no, they wouldn't be interested. Well, how the hell do you know whether they're interested or not? Most of us business owners have all got the same problem, but we don't even, we think that we're so, uh, we think that we're the only one with it, right? And that's what I, I just love what you're doing with your community because bringing people together also helps them rise up because they can let their shit out. Because it's, it's a lonely place, right? It can be a really lonely place being an entrepreneur and creating companies, especially as a younger guy or girl. Um, but yeah, and that, the, the question asked, the question never asked is the question never answered. So go and ask the bloody thing. We, we men are the worst though because we, we're often ego-driven. And as an entrepreneur, they might be driven by other things and they've had all this success. We're so used to being patted on the back, success, <laughs> um, for whatever your description of success is. But they, 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 they lose, you don't want to lose the humbleness, man. Like I, I go into deals um, sometimes now with my investing work and I, I, like, I used to cover up what I didn't know and I did it sometimes with aggression or whatever. Now I ask the dumbest questions that, a, that an investment guy in business shouldn't be asking perhaps. People love it. They help me out so much. It's really, really good to be vulnerable. And you go in for the hug. I, and I'm a hugger. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's so important because when it comes hugger, to yeah. deal making, M&A strategy and buying a company, like for me, immediately it was like, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not, you know, uh, that's probably not for me. Uh, and it's too serious. Actually, it's, if you think about it as like you're sitting side by side on the table, yeah. you're sitting there, you know, you're making it a win-win. It has a lot of people skills involved. It has a lot of vulnerability it's involved. Skills, it's yeah. it's all people skills. Yeah, totally. See, this is actually something I wanted to ask you as well. Yeah. Like, what is it? What are the skills that are involved? Because I'm kind of um, initially I was like, ah, this is not for me because I need to be a numbers guy. I need to be. I need to know all the, you know. But it's it, a lot of it is people skills. It's like a Richard Branson type of character. He's he's totally. he's great at he'd be great he's at a that. Deal man. He, yeah. He's a deal sure. man and yeah. he's a people's man. He knows yeah. how to. Yeah. yeah. Ah, look, I mean, I. Maybe if you ask me in one week's time what skills are involved, I'll have different ones because I'm learning every single day, right? Like the conversation we had the other day, I just learned. You know, I, I, every conversation I have, I learn. But here's the key skill that I had to develop and that most of us uh, young male successful entrepreneurs lack. <laughs> and that's the ability to be vulnerable and lose fear of looking silly because no one gives a... No one, no one cares, right? Nobody, all, know, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. Right? And if you acknowledge that, it's like you actually... Yeah, lose the relatable. insecurity, right? Well, don't lose it. Acknowledge it. It's, it's, it's also what helps you be great sometimes. So when you acknowledge it, it usually goes away anyhow. But get vulnerable. I, I get vulnerable. Um, I'm, I'm not, like, I don't walk into meetings and just break down in tears. But I'm honest about who I am. I'm honest about my shit. I'm honest about what I know are my limitations. I'm honest also about what I know that I'm really good at. 
I mean, I, I just yesterday sounds like oh, they gave me shit because I was like, I'm really, really good at that, but I'm really bad at this. They're like, oh, yeah, but you know, you're so modest. I was like, no, I think it's okay to be honest if you know you're good at something. As much as it's okay to be honest if you know that you've a weakness. But going through and pretending that you're something you're not, that, that is wrong. And I think that people know authenticity. You can't, you can't mislead in life for such a, a long amount of time. So it's just easier just to be authentic. I think that the authenticity really brings out the brilliance in people because they then they also get to feel safe too. They get to, you know, and when everyone feels safe in a deal, the deal works. The deal will usually be good. And you make it work. Right. You're able to make, only then you're able to make it work because then yeah. you can uncover all the stuff that you or they weren't comfortable talking about. Yeah, totally. It smashes barriers to pieces. I was in, I was in the UK um, uh, last week and... Um, and looking at an acquisition there, so meeting with the guy, built a fantastic little company, and um, I said, "So what? What's up? Why? Why are you getting out of this thing?" He's forty, and uh, he's like, "Man, I'm just over it. I'm over being responsible for everything." And I was like, "Oh, I know you." <laughs> uh, so I, I, I immediately jumped to share with him my story of being looking really great on the outside. I had the famous model girlfriend and all the money and all this, and I was fucking depressed. So I shared it with him and he was, from then on, we developed an an immediate relationship and I'm not going to actually execute that deal, which I I should say, but had I wanted to, the negotiation would have been so easy because we were on the same side of the table. We got each other. So building rapport is really important, right? It's I think so. I think and it's actually caring about that person, actually one of the best for them. Here's, here's, here's it's the like one. don't just use rapport as a strategy. Yeah. I'm going to do this and then get the oh, yeah, deal. Yeah. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah. Don't, don't read the book The Forty Nine Laws of Power and just try and manipulate people. And yeah. Um, so <laughs> well, it's good to it's good to learn to protect yourself from those people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. why but that's what it's good. That's a good book to read. I think we can. I think humans are pretty special, right? At first. Someone may be able to manipulate them. But in time, their intuition will build up and things will feel a bit fishy. I really recommend um, business owners and entrepreneurs to learn to connect with their intuition as well. It's, it's a powerful place to make decisions from. Yeah, something I'm working on right now as well. Me too, like, dude. It's a life, lifelong practice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, I just imagine it's so easy. It's just like, I don't need to think anymore. I'll just listen to my gut. <laughs> yeah, I think when we finally get there, we like float up into the atmosphere like Buddha or something like that. So... That's hey, what I'm hoping as well. When you're yeah. there, let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the uh, so where, where were we then? We we're on in, intuitive. Uh, the, the story of, of the 40-year-old guy that you are right, on the same yeah. page. So yeah, we, we got on the same side of the table. And that's right. We were talking about um, rapport. But he, he, the thing is, is wanting the best for them. Yeah. Give a shit. Care about people and you will be cared for. You know, care for yourself. And you will care for others. It's, it's just such a perpetual machine. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I just don't understand this, this deal. Oh, I'm going to come back to the, that other company I was going to buy too. This brings me as a segue. I just don't, I can't, if I enter into a discussion with someone and, I, and immediately they're holding back or they're, um, I, I, I feel anything, I'm out, I'm out of the room. There are so many companies available for sale. There is so many deals. There is no rush. Nail it. One time a year or one time a decade is much better than 10 shitty deals. Yeah. So I had um, these, these two guys uh, and, I, and we, we may transact. I don't know. Uh, we're still building a, a, a relationship actually. I like to build a relationship. 
that one is 80 and one's 70 and they're still running this very successful business that they've had for about 30 years. They're really great guys. Um, but they, they have to exit, right? Like the, the physical limitations are, are becoming there. Actually, the 80-year-old guy, he's like, I'm going to keep on working. And, and then the 70-year-old guy who's the actual CEO, he's like, I want it. I want out. But he's like, so I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, I want to surf more. I'm like, you're 70, dude. But I love that if he's surfing. Um, but at first, they were really, really cagey with me. They were almost aggressive. In, in the first five or ten minutes of the com- first phone conversation I had with them, I had to say, guys, I think we need to stop. This will not work. And they're like, they were shocked. And they're like, yeah, but you, we think that you're just coming to like steal our company. I'm like, well, have a look at my track record. That's not what I do. I, this will never work and you will never exit your company. You will never find a buyer if you're not honest with me. I want what's best for you, but I need you to be honest with me. Tell me what you want, and I'm going to try and make it happen. Um, Communication skills, people skills, that play. They just softened up straight away. And now we went from a, a couple of months ago, we're, we're really close to transacting. And, and it's a very great deal for me, and it's a very great deal for them because they want out, but they were just worried. I don't know what was up, you know, like different generation guys and guys, I don't know. Yeah, it might but just be... Uh, a prejudice that they have I think for so. someone that, like the, an image of someone oh he wants to buy our company we've got to be yeah. on the defense yeah. uh, maybe also it's a bit of un, un, <clears throat> unknowing self-sabotage by them they're probably terrified of who they are without that company right but they don't know humans self-sabotage a lot in these situations they kill deals with, and then they find someone else to blame unintentionally it's that self-sabotage it's amazing the unconscious behaviors but yeah like just doing that and, and being honest with them and saying, I want to get you what you want. And I did that. And actually, I, I said, here's what I'll do. I'll value your company and I'll send you my full worksheet on the valuation. Um, but it's not binding and, and maybe it's worth more to you, but this is what it's worth to me. So I sent them that. And I didn't hear from from a couple of weeks. And I got a phone call saying, listen, we don't want to talk to you. To you. Uh, that's, that's a crappy offer. I said, it wasn't an offer. It was just what the company's worth to me. I realized it's going to be worth very different amount to you. Tell me what it's worth to you. Just tell me. And that, then uh, he got a bit scared again. And, and he's like, yeah, but you're going to try and get it as cheap as possible. We're going to try and get it, get it as high as possible. I said, I'm not going to try and get your company as cheap as possible. I'm going to get the best deal for both of us. That's what I want. And he's like, well, I was just about to send you a very rude email and I won't send that. <laughs> and and he, so he's a really, really nice man. And... Um, so then I, I, didn't, I said, look, great. Go away and think about it. Just tell me what the hell you want. And if I can make that happen for you, I will make that happen for you. If I can't, I can't. There's, there is no middle. There's no point in bullshitting because if I don't buy your company, I'll buy one of the many, many others out there that are great too for a deal that works for me and the vendor. Yeah. So great just real quick a great book for that would be crucial conversations i don't know if you've read that, read that. it's a it's a really good book uh, i think that's where yeah some of the things that they talk about are, are at play as well yeah. where you remind them that you have a common goal which is the best deal for both for you right. and for me and yeah. that gets people's guard down yeah yeah well and i i want that i and i genuinely want the best deal for them and the best deal for me i don't like who i can't live with the guilt of trying to fry someone and do them over. What, there is no point in me doing that. And I'm, I'm a very uh, energy-believing kind, of kind of guy as a yogi myself. You know? And karma as well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really believing it, right? And uh, I just feel like if we create value, 
we, we, we get value. And energy is like that, right? Like if we're going and ripping energy out or robbing it from somewhere, we're probably going to get a little bit taken from us. And I don't want to live that way. It's just, it's pointless. And when you look at it from an abundant perspective as well, it is abundant. So if I, oh, yeah, right, we can't make a deal, cool. There's plenty of others and I have all the time in the world. Anyhow, so they, th- these guys, they, um, they went, look, it's too low for us. I said, look, that's fine, come back. They called me the other day. Actually, uh, I was in Copenhagen about um, a week ago and I got the call and they're like, you know, we've had a think about it and here's what it's worth to us. It was really, really close to where I valued at the firm. And, and, and he, said, he said, I know it's more, but this is what it's worth to us. And I said, great. And, and, it, and it is worth that to you. So let me go away and work out how I'm going to get you that money. And he was, you know, I think he, it was amazing. Because like, that's, that's what it is, right? And at that stage, I wasn't saying, I'm going to give you bags of cash. But how do I get that? So then it sets us up to go into deal structuring. So soon we'll talk. We'll catch up probably in a month when I'm, I'm back in Australia. And, uh, and I'll say, look, we can get you that money. We will get, and it's your money, of course. I always use your money. But here's how we're going to do it. And now, then this is how you can buy a company that might be valued at $2 million with $20,000. Because you, you work in your deal structure. Yeah, we're gonna. This company's got great cash flow, huge data book. We can get them that money with a deal structure. I probably won't be rolling in with a lot of my own cash, and they're gonna get their money. They're gonna get what they want. It took a while longer to get to knowing what they really want than most. But if you're selling and you do that and you're working with someone like a buyer like me, it'll go quick and it'll be awesome for you. What are some of the risks? Because the first thing that I'm thinking about is like. Okay, if you're taking someone else's money and you do like a deal structure and this and that, um, what's like the the downside and how do you protect it? For example, let's say the business is going down, you owe money to a bank that you borrowed money from. Yeah, um, yeah. These are things that can happen, right? Uh, without, without doubt, yeah. So um, one of my mentors says is no downside and then everything's upside. No, like know your, your downside and then everything beyond that is upside. So that's in the deal structure. Probably why I might, like there are other guys that I know and um, they, they want to buy a lot more, whereas I'm kind of slower. Uh, but I know what's good when it's good. But I'll, I'll look at downside risk and know that exactly. And I, I always try and structure the deal so there is no downside risk for either party. And then everything's cream. So what are some examples of how you do that? How do you... Yeah manage the downside so if it if it's putting if i'm putting in upfront capital i look at it at a time horizon as to how quickly i can delever my capital so how quickly that company can pay that money back to me and i usually want that in a in a quick period of time um if it's uh the other way to 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 minimize this stuff is to do the the harbor club type stuff of like the no dollar down deal so we are deal structure where you know they might want half a million bucks, and the debtor book's got half a million free in it, right? So you just go to a debt, uh, um, sorry, debtor book financier and say, "I want to buy the company. Can you give me half a million bucks? It's half a million dollars of the company's money anyway." And then that it's debt, and it'll be at a high rate. But you look at the company's cash flow and profit projections, and it will cover it relatively quickly. You haven't spent a dollar, and you've got no, nothing at risk because the debt's on the company, not on you personally. 
and the owner has got their cash and they've wandered off. They're happy. Of course, you have a, you have a responsibility to do your utmost best because you don't want the company going down because then people lose their jobs and that is, that's like, that's horrible, right? Like, to, to, I haven't had a um, company go under that I've been involved with, but I, I, I would dread that day. And now I know there'll be people listening who have because there'll be entrepreneurs and that, it's okay. They didn't fail. The business model failed. But, um, yeah, I would struggle with that a lot. I think I'd take that very personally. Most do. But, yeah, so that's, that's how you can manage risk. With clever deal structure, right? you still got the transaction done, but you, you use the company to buy itself. And someone else's money... The debt funder was at risk. They take the risk because they're going to charge you anywhere between 12 and 18% interest on the money. They're going to make some serious dough. Okay, so they, they take the risk. Well, they'll give you the debt. Not the, not the vendor, but the person who gives you the money against the debtor book. Yeah. So there's, I don't know. But, but also, you might not do the, that form of leverage. You might go to a, a financier and uh, I think in Europe, well, in the UK, they're looking for anywhere between 8 and 10% and say, well, I need your money to buy this company, uh, debt, and um, we're not putting any personal guarantees on that. So you don't have a risk. You have a fiduciary, fiduciary, fiduciary duty to make sure the company works and you don't want to stuff it up because no one will ever give you money again. That's important, right? You've got to get this right as an investor because other people will start giving you money to invest in return for them. That's also a part of building your cash flow model. But, um, yeah, the, the, you can use their money. So you, you don't have a risk if, if things went wrong, except for it would be kind of shameless if you entered into something knowing that it was not going to go so well. That's not cool. That, that's, again, that's not a good karmic journey for you. But that is how um, we sometimes manage risk. It's also how we also uh, get much higher yields in terms of return on equity. So you might put in some capital, and if you bought the whole thing with capital, you might get a certain return. But if you've used a small amount of capital and the rest debt, that small amount gets the whole return. And that's what private equity do. They really use debt well to lever up. That's probably a bit of a scary thing right now, the corporate debt around the world and what may trigger a, a negative financial event like 2009. That's another story for another day. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to know how people like me and the listeners that are running businesses, that are maybe selling their business, have sold their business, how can they get started with something like that? So one sure. of the things that, that I would like to share quickly is a book called uh, How to Be a Capitalist Without Any Capital by Nathan Latka. I don't know if cool. you've heard about that. Cool. I haven't that. read that book. That sounds really cool. So he, he actually talked about how he uh, bought a Chrome extension. That's why I got this example yeah, from okay. And what he did was he just created an Excel spreadsheet and he just started yeah, emailing companies really quickly. Hey, sure. are you are you are you selling your company? Are you interested in selling your company? Just that one liner, and he used to send that to businesses that he might be interested in, yeah. and just see what comes back. And then yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's totally. that's one thing that I was thinking about that I could do. That's where it's at. That, that's uh, and the best thing we can do. And hopefully, no business brokers are listening. And I'm not saying it to alienate them, but business brokers make a transaction difficult because they want their money up front. And they kill good deals, actually. So if you can do the direct thing, the email thing, or the, the Facebook message thing, I kind of don't want to reveal that because I feel like this is the most powerful way for deal flows, like Facebook. But um, if you can do that and then get direct access to the directors without any middleman or middle person, you can do these sorts of deals where you're not outlaying great amounts of capital. You're building rapport. I think it's a good start. I think what he did is spot on. It's perfect. 
and uh, one thing that I heard as well is that it's I, it's it's better to um, yeah the best place to buy companies is where they're not selling. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. it's it's actually getting into conversations with people over Facebook, over email, just texting someone, hey, uh, Are you just out of, cu- yeah, yeah. out of curiosity, let's, let's have a chat. And then one thing that I also heard that's really important to note is that not to fall into, yeah, not to fall in love with a deal too quickly. Oh, deal heat. <laughs> yeah, deal heat. That's oh, that's bad called. news. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the examples that I heard is that this, uh, from a previous podcast uh, with Corin Woodmass, I think it was a thousand deals like this huge equity firm that for every thousand deal for every thousand deals they look at they they do one deal yeah, yeah that's like me yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so it's it's a really time intensive thing would you say or is it because i'm currently thinking also i want to focus everything on this on this community that i'm building and yeah and where i'm going there but I also want cash flow and I'm sure. interested in that. So I don't want to take away too much from that. Well, so well, it sounds like a full-time job type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, what do you think? I like to, I, I'm a big fan of partnering and working with people. I don't like to, I get bored working alone and I love people. So you might have someone um, who, who wants to work with you and, and they don't have capital. So they're happy to do all of that work as long as they get equity in the deal. So regularly people bring me deals and I'm like, so... Uh, if I can see them bring value, I don't. I don't like to concede for people sending me deals, and I, and I don't want to invite that here. But there are some people who bring deals, and, I'm, and I and I want to work. Like some of them are big CFOs of listed companies, and that. So you you kind of want them involved anyway, right? They know their shit. And I'm always like, hey, look, I know you brought me the deal. I'd love to give you like maybe two percent of the equity, if I'm if I transact. But I also want you to help in DD, as sweat, and due, due diligence. diligence. Yeah, due so diligence. due diligence. So that's DD. Just, Checking that yeah. everything is right, and you just yeah. I want you to be a part of this, and I want you to have skin in the game. That that I love. So uh, maybe with your listeners, and uh, this is kind of a plug for me in a way. But if they want to reach out to me and uh, and work with me, and they've got companies that they own that they want to sell, or they want to do a uh, a roll up strategy, or work with a strategist like me, um, or they they want to there's people who want to go down this route, they can reach out to me. I would love to hear from them. I don't know if you put the, my contact details up on the... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'll put your contact details up sure. there. So yeah. just, uh, yeah, like by all means, just just call me or call me or send me an email message or a, um, a LinkedIn. I, I get uber excited when I hear about cool people because at Ananda, so Ananda Private Equity is my, my business. My whole ethos is doing uh, amazing things with amazing people in amazing places, right? I love that because yeah. that's what I want to do as well. And <laughs> when you hear about equity firms, it's like, oh, it's numbers, oh. it's an office, it's it's a tough deal making. No, it's not that. It doesn't have to oh, be. Oh no, that's not how I roll. It's yeah. whatever you, whatever you make it right, yeah. and it can be beautiful collaboration between people that you totally. care about that you want to be around. So you actually said, for example, you you're getting into the a yoga center place and, yeah, and stuff like that because wellness. you want to be around these people. Yeah, I, yeah. I love the wellness industry. If any listeners have got wellness based companies that they want to. Maybe sell or, uh, or have me come on as an equity partner and, and build for them. Uh, let me know because I love the wellness industry. It helps people, man. It, it's, it's a beautiful industry. Yeah. So it seems like what we have been talking about here is not just buying and selling businesses, but yeah. just in general deal making and partnering up with people and how to make that work. Yeah. Right? Oh. So these skills, they, they're not just for buying and selling companies. They're also, yeah, in 
working with other people. Yeah. Uh, maybe a competitor that you want to join venture. Oh, with. Maybe, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't see anyone as a competitor. I don't understand this. I've never understood this. You know, when I was running DTA, which was an engineering and project management business, yeah, it was competitive, right? But I think we made um, more money out of the partnerships that we had with our competitors than the jobs we competed against them on. Your competitor might be your best customer <laughs> in any business, right? And I'd, I mean, in, in the business buying game, because it's so abundant, there's so many companies available um, and we create, right? So I don't see anyone as competition. I really, really enjoy uh, working with everybody because also one man's trash is another man's treasure. You know, I don't know, my, my father used to use that saying and what one pe person doesn't want to buy, I might love. I, um, I, I often see construction companies and I don't want them. I could probably do good with them, but I don't want to do it because I've done it so much. And I send them to people who I know who love them. I don't ask for any equity. I don't want anything to do with it, but I know that they love it and I want them to do well. Great for the company too because they get to sell to a, an awesome investor. Well, I, the other thing I wanted to allude to is what you're doing with creating community. I think, I think this is the, the best thing that we can do right now is community creation in the world. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> like I, can I join your community? Can I be in it? Like I, I really want to yeah, be in it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Because it just appeals to me so much, right? But in terms of deal flow, if you get a bunch of people in, in a community like that that are, that are like-minded business people, there's a great way for deal flow. There are going to be people in there who want to collaborate, merge, uh, roll up, exit, buy. In these communities... They just, they're just like these little, they're just amazing, right? They're self-perpetuating. Creating community is an epic thing. Yeah. yeah and joining community. Uh, but contributing too. Like, I also think if you're joining community, don't go there to take. Go there to give. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what community is really about, right? And, and that, that's kind of like what I'm looking for. So I'm, I'm at least keeping my eyes open. Now, what I'm doing now is I'll do that spreadsheet thing. I'll just start putting it out there because I think a lot of it is just putting it out there. Hey, I'm open to buying something i'm open to totally, yeah because yeah. then that's when conversations start right um, yeah and someone know, might know someone that you get in touch with and yeah then uh you get some deal flow and then if you really like one yeah yeah i, I just um you know I'd, I'd always been a little bit embarrassed to be too out there publicly you know like this is this stuff i love now but um this is really important too. getting out there just be yourself in and be seen it it helps. It helps in a big way. Like, yeah, and uh, I think one one thing to note as well is um, not specifically. Maybe it's actually better to not go out there and say I want to buy a business, and then because <laughs> yeah. that's when you get deal heat, right? Yeah, it's more like I'm yeah. just gonna look at deals, and if I really end up liking one, then maybe. Yeah, it's probably I, a better attitude, I, right? I so you look at it more. You look at a thousand deals to, for one oh, deal, man, or like I, I get so many pitches, um, and and. I'm new to the game, right? Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a baby fish, and uh, but I, I get a lot of pitches, and yeah, I don't look too deeply. Like there's a very quick to just skim over the top. And then, yeah, so it's not as time-consuming as it sounds. I, I think it could be more time-consuming, but I'm a pretty cruisy guy. <laughs> like I, I'm not like I, I don't, I don't feel rushed. I don't feel urgent um, to prove anything to anybody, and I. I mean, I'm learning a lot about trusting the journey of life. I mean, I want to move faster sometimes and I don't like to be stuck, but I don't feel pressured or in a rush. 
And I think that attracts the better deals. There's, there's, I am working a bit more at the moment to, to try and um, attract better deals. So there's more high caliber. And I'd like to find some more partners around the world, some people to work with, to build this global group and, uh, and start transacting a bit more. But I just see no point. Like, I, no, bill, no deal is much better than a bad deal. This, it sucks the life out of you. If, so if you do one good deal, it's way better than five okay deals. Five, this just means five times the headache, right? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think that that like volume isn't the answer. This is look look for uh, quality, quality not quantity. You know. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you need to bounce? Are you gonna? I'm cool. I'm. I'm in no hurry. I I just have a oh, cool. early in the morning. <laughs> yeah. All right. Because I would love to get back to one topic real quick. Yeah. Sure. Uh, that you mentioned that I'm really passionate about as well. Because I made a lot of mistakes in that, and I realized, yeah. hey, it's just not going to work. Which is working super long hours and not oh, looking after yourself. Man. So you mentioned it uh, earlier as well that yeah. you you rather do the yoga, surfing, and the meditation, yeah. and then work a few hours because you're way more effective yeah. than. Yeah, working 16 hours and not doing these things. Yeah. Just a few hours and that's something I'm really passionate about as well. Totally. So. I mean, when I work, I work. Like, it's it's very focused. I don't sit around and talk shit. Uh, I just get right in. I focus and, yeah. So, uh, again, quality, not quantity, right? You know, I, I work with <laughs> one of the... Um, one other group that I partner with, their CEO just loves a chat. And uh, sometimes when I'm in their office, I'm like, look, man, I can get done what I need to get done in these next three or four hours and it will be super powerful rather than if we spend 10 hours here just talking for the sake of talking. It's, and, and I don't I mean, it's not a negative thing, it's just how it is for me. So I've, I've, learned, um, I've learned to create quality and not, not quantity. So I used to work like 16, 18 hours a day. First of all, you're rubbish after you do more than eight hours. There's, there's studies that show that the productivity drops off the cliff. It's, it's pointless. It's, it's not doing anything for you. Sitting there worrying about the business or worrying about doing stuff, it's not getting it done. So I, I really believe in presence and creating a real flowy thing. So, yeah, I, I definitely do my yoga and my surf when I'm near a beach or at least connect with the ocean daily. Um, and some exercise. Exercise is really important for me, um, and get some real quality in those in the hours that I am working. If I did those hours, same number of hours, and didn't have all of the special stuff in there, like my my yoga practice and the like, the quality wouldn't be as good. So I've started to I really look at it all very holistically. I don't separate work and life anymore. I, I just think that it's life. Because when you love what you do, well, and like sometimes I'm there and people, I don't understand this, like, going, oh, it's Sunday, I can't do any work. I'm, sometimes on a Sunday morning, I'm like, I really feel like doing this little bit of work right now. So why would I not? You know, I, sometimes I feel like doing it as much as I feel like going for a beer with my mates. So I think that the, the key is to feel into it. Don't feel forced. Don't feel like you have to work. Because if you feel like you have to work, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong game. That's that's why I'm so against that that hustle mentality or like oh, that, I hate it. <laughs> that oh, grind. It's all about the grind. It's like yes, there, there might be some instances where you have to push yourself, yeah. but it shouldn't be the norm. It shouldn't be the everyday grind. 
Totally. If it's an everyday grind, you're in the wrong business or you, yeah. you probably shouldn't be in business because you, maybe you're better off having a job because you'd be way happier. Yeah, totally, man. Like, And it's been what people might not realize about the whole grind thing. It's being sold by some guys because they make their money from selling that as their image. Gary Vee and those guys. Like, I rate the man. The man's a brilliant. But no one can perform at the level of that guy. He's a machine. Don't try and be him. Be you. That, that's really important. Like, don't model yourself on others. Model yourself on the sum of brilliance around the, the, the earth around you instead of one because you won't be them. And what's the point in trying to be someone you're not? Be you. You are epic already, right? Yeah, and it doesn't mean that because he's a machine, you can't be like him, you can't be a machine. It just means that you can also be a machine, but it might be in a different way. Yeah. So I'm more of a machine if I actually like do the work hard, play hard mentality, which is what I like to call it is yeah. when I work, there's nothing that gets in between. It is quality time. It is no distractions. It is on, on highly leveraged things. Yeah. And then when I don't work, I don't think about work or I try not to, which yeah. is sometimes really hard. Um, and I don't allow any emails and, and none of that stuff. Oh, so yeah. It's like, and then I have yeah. fun. So yeah. when I have fun, I make sure that I have a lot of fun. I do something that's really fun. Yeah. And I don't just hang around or do some half work. Yeah, totally. That activates your creativity. It gives you energy. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, Ray Dalio talks about it. Ray Dalio is the, the big, one of the big men in the world in, um, in asset management. Yeah. And, and he talks, I think he's 80 years old. Like he's going strong. Maybe he's not, maybe he's 70. Anyway, he's been around the, wow. he's been around the traps. But he talks about, he goes to work at something like 8 or 9. He gets home at like 10 each night. And he, he says he feels more energized at the end of the day. So look for that in your work. It should be making you feel energized. I watch for that. That's intuitive. If, if I'm doing stuff and I'm just not buzzing, something's wrong. Something's up. And I'm not going to be able to meet my brilliance or my full um, potential by doing that stuff. So I'm not saying like you, you can't avoid having to do the hard stuff. But if it's hard because it's not... Like I like doing the hard stuff that energizes. There's plenty of hard shit that I, that I do but I get really energized by it, you know? If it's not energizing you, it's not the right line. It's not the right, or not the right approach, yeah? So it's like, it's like don't hang out with people who don't give you energy. Get them out of your life. You yeah. know, like, why, why, do that? why do people do that with their work or their, their way of creating or generating income? Why, why would you do that? I just don't get it. But I did. I was that exact person who hung out with crappy people and... Uh, put, did work they hated and slaved for so long but I had to learn the hard way but I, I just want to encourage people not to have to learn the hard way right like I want them to know that if it's if it's giving you energy you're going to be it's going to be highly successful that's success success ain't the money in the bank account success is living a fulfilled life a content and fulfilled life and contributing to community and if it just so happens that you're a great entrepreneur and that's the way you create and create value, then you maybe make some money, right? Cool. But yeah, I think it's really about the energy. You can really feel it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to end this here. <laughs> this, is a, this is a good uh, note to end it on. Uh, unless there's anything else that you oh, have on your mind, on your heart right me. now. I mean, I, I can talk for days about this and I will talk with anybody about this. So if the listeners want to reach out to me, I'll be honored to hear from them. And I, I want to say and acknowledge you, I'm absolutely fucking honoured for you to even facilitate me to sit here and talk with you, bro. Like, I, I'm going to give you a big hug as soon as we're finished and turn this off. I, like, yeah, let's do it. I'm, uh, yeah, right? I'm, uh, I just, I'm beside myself. So here's an example of energy, right? This is work right now. 
but I am buzzing. Like I am, I am electric right now because I got to sit here and share to people my thoughts. And I, I hope that it helps people. Like you, I, you know, that's what I really want. I hope the listeners get something. So you created this, and I am freaking honoured to be able to do this. So thank Dude, you. Thanks so for much. coming on. Thanks yeah. for coming on. So where can people find more? Uh, from you about you they, where can they connect with you they are welcome to uh, LinkedIn LinkedIn Facebook I don't have Instagram anymore I might get that one again one day yeah. I don't have yeah. Insta um, LinkedIn and Facebook are great they can flick me an email we can put my email address up uh, yep. with the podcast Cool. they can jump onto the uh, Ananda private equity website it's a pretty bland website right I'm, I, I'm not it's just not the kind of business that needs to look sexy the sexiness is in doing it that's the fun I don't need to prove anything I've got it. I feel good with it. So, um, but jump on there and have a look. Uh, and and please just look me up. Can yeah, awesome. On LinkedIn. I'd love to. I'd love to build the be, build, be a part of the network and build the network. Yeah, cool. All right. Uh, feel free to reach out to him, like you said. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, bro. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed it, then please subscribe to this podcast right now and leave a review on iTunes, which would help us massively. And if you consider yourself a high performer and you're already running a successful business and you're passionate about holistic growth in every area of life, then you can apply to join our carefully curated group on Facebook for guys like you and me. And when I say carefully curated, I actually mean it because I screen everybody personally and jump on a call with them to see if they're the right fit. And in these calls, I ask myself questions like, first of all, do they know what they talk about and do they have a level of success that proves it. For example, they're running a successful business or they have some other sort of success that proves, okay, these are interesting guys. They have some value to share. Secondly, are they passionate about growing in every area of their life? That means health and fitness, relationships, relationships with women, finances, spirituality, all that cool stuff. And thirdly, are they self-aware and generally cool guys we'd want to hang out with uh, that also share similar values? And uh, basically what we do is we facilitate mastermind calls where we chat every week or bi-weekly to talk about challenges, help each other out and lift each other up, which is also all 100% free. Yeah, it's just a group where you get access to a peer group that will lift you up and make it easy and fun to constantly level up because ultimately you are who you surround yourself with. And uh, as you know as well, it's lonely as you're moving up, but here you're around people who are on the same path. They're also crazy ambitious and they understand the specific challenges that you go through. So it's also a safe space where you can talk about anything here. And uh, you ask yourself, okay, what's the catch? Because you can't jump on a call with everyone. Uh, It's not scalable, but yeah, I know it is not meant to be scaled. It's a highly curated group. And again, we actually mean that because Ultimately, it's my selfish desire to surround myself with like-minded winners. And uh, the way it works is, so far, you've only gotten in through referrals, through current members. If someone referred you, then you can get in. But uh, now you can actually apply. So you can send us an application. And uh, as I said, it's 100% free for now. And uh, yeah, we just want to get some great guys together. So our current members are six to seven figure business owners. They are currently exiting their business. They're just running their business. We want to grow it. Or we even have some guys who are interested in buying businesses now. So yeah, it's just a bunch of interesting dudes all have different strengths and help each other out in the areas that they're lacking in. And uh, we have a ton of fun on these weekly calls. And I always leave inspired and thinking bigger, just like everyone else in the group. And uh, yeah, I'm just super pumped for it. I always love these calls. So if you think you're one of us, then please head over to www.wearecollectiveambition.com slash apply. So that's www.wearecollectiveambition. That's just one word, .com slash apply. And I'll see you on there.